0: From Impact Alpha, this is Returns on Investment, a show about impact investing. I'm Brian Walsh, head of impact for the fintech company LiquidNet, coming to you live on tape from New York City. Here with me in the office is Imogen Rose-Smith, an investment fellow with the University of California. Hello, Imogen. Hi, Brian. And joining us from Impact Alpha's world headquarters in the San Francisco Bay area is David Bank, editor and CEO of Impact Alpha. Hi, David. How's it going? Hello, Brian. All right. Good to be with you both. On today's show, we're going to talk about the impact of media. It's not hashtag fake news that the media industry has been in crisis and some billionaires have seemingly thrown a lifeline. Salesforce's Mark Benioff recently bought Time Magazine. Amazon's Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. Steve Jobs' widow's philanthropic effort called the Emerson Collective owns the Atlantic. So what's the impact of billionaires buying media? Do we want to stop them or encourage them? Imogen, earlier this year major news organizations like HuffPo, BuzzFeed and the Gannett newspaper chain announced a combined 1000 layoffs from their newsrooms. What does this imply for the future of media?
1: <laughs> Not good things. I mean it yeah, it's clear that the media industry is in crisis. Yeah, and I think that the recent round of layoffs is just the the latest sort of paragraph in an ongoing saga around the contraction in the media industry and the failure for the industry to produce good, well-paying jobs for anyone except, you know, the one person at the very top. And this is hugely problematic. And, you know, again, we know that part of this is because of technology. We know that the traditional business models for media are broken, and that the innovations are not really coming up with good, sustainable job-creating solutions. And so that, in part, is why you've seen this influx of, you know, let's call them well-meaning billionaires coming in to sort of throw a lifeline to media. But, you know, it is incredibly problematic because media as sort of billionaire vanity projects isn't really what you need to have, you know a free and independent press, and you need a free and independent press if you want to have a thriving and functional democracy. And, you know, we've seen a lot of issues around the undermining of democracy in the U.S. and elsewhere, and that ties directly back to the destruction of the media industry and this sort of proliferation of propaganda and sort of this, this, this questioning of the truth. And sort of throwing you know, a lifeline to the Atlantic or whatever, doesn't solve or get at any of those problems.
0: So David, there's an old adage that one is entitled to their own opinions, but not their own facts. What uh, opinions do you have about the status of our common facts today?
2: Well, the facts are about what Imogen laid out. And, you know, I I will say it's not completely new. So I've worked at a bunch of newspapers over the years, and some of them were owned by individual billionaire and some of them were owned by, you know, major media conglomerates. And I don't know that I could really completely tell you the difference, um, in, in the working conditions. Um, so, so the, just to say the billionaires have always thought, you know, newspapers were a good platform to have, and they've always, you know, interfered, feared, you know, either less so or more so, depending on, you know, their personalities and, and the situation. So the notion that billionaires might buy media, is not like, you know, ring the alarm bells, the, the democracy's in trouble. In fact, I, I would argue at least as an you know interim step or a stopgap measure that you know thank god Bezos bought the Washington Post and it's doing crackerjack uh, journalism right now in a way that it actually wasn't, you know, r- r- towards the end of the, the old regime. So, and frankly, those were billionaires as well. So I think that's, you know, arguably to the good. Um, and, you know, we'll see what Benioff does with Time Magazine. But again, that's a venerable title that, you know, has a, a role to play in, in, in informing folks, as you say, of the common facts and and whatnot. And, um, and The Atlantic's a terrific magazine. So those are actually, I'd say, you know, you know, Now, I will say you don't want the democracy to hinge on the beneficence um, of a few billionaires and that there needs to be a way that media cannot be a money-losing proposition and can actually pay its way. Um, That's a whole long discussion of what that business model is. People have been beating their heads on it, obviously, for, for decades at this point.
1: That kind of gets to my point, though, which is that this is where I think, and this comes back to what we're meant to be talking about in general, which is impact investing, right? And... I think impact investing has a blind spot when it comes to media. Um, and I think that's because its roots in philanthropy and its own roots in the billionaire community that means that it sees media as a sort of extension of itself and a, a plaything rather than being a vital issue and a vital area that needs to be considered as you know a, a job creation and an investment opportunity and a problem to be solved. And so, you know, I think that the same kind of tools and the same kind of consideration that impact investing gives to areas like, I don't know, energy access or, you know, how, how do we reduce the prison population needs to be applied to what do we need to do to create thriving, effective media companies that create jobs and empower individuals.
2: There is a category... You know that's a growing category called civic tech, for example, that uh, a number of foundations and and other and impact investors have have gotten behind. And generally, that's you know how to get people to register to vote or how to encourage democratic participation, how to work more effectively, you know, with your city government to have various stakeholders' voices heard and all kinds of good civic engagement kind of stuff. Is you know, it turns out there's you know, arguably business models around it that that folks are are experimenting with. But generally, as you say, news organizations have not been considered part of the civic tech sector. Even um, they're they're kind of this odd duck, and there are some supporters um, of media efforts, but not uh, not not really a very vibrant um, uh, marketplace there. I would say for impact investors, I agree with you.
0: Well, David, I would take it even one step further. I mean, you mentioned the Washington Post and the Atlantic, and and Image and I are are here in the New York Times building right now where uh, LiquiNet's offices are. Uh, And those are big, successful, well-known brands that are doing quite well. But I think one of the the challenges uh, with the media as I see it is, local journalism and many of these not national publications but local publications have gone out of business or they're losing uh... some of the profit margins of the need to invest in good journalism to cover city hall to cover the state houses uh... and so and so uh, that's where I think that the biggest crisis is. Not, you know, I'm not worried about the Washington Post and the New York Times, but I am worried about the mid-sized cities, smaller cities. Who's covering the state capitals? Who's covering city hall? And how do uh, citizens in those communities have access to the information they need to make f- informed decisions?
1: You should, I mean, you should be worried about both, by the way, because even though you might think the Washington Post and the New York Times is doing fine, they're not putting the money into having the reporters go out and cover those exact issues. So, you know, th- they're still cutting costs. They're still taking money away from the sort of basic shoe leather, boring reporting work. And yet, I mean, local journalism has been decimated and you've seen efforts, you know, to try and like address that. But it's again, it's not considered an impact issue and it should be for precisely the reasons you're getting. And especially if we go to this point that investing alone is not enough and that we need civic engagement to see the kind of changes that we wanna see, then part of the way that you're going to get civic engagement is through an informed society. And a lot of change happens at the local level and that isn't getting reported, it isn't getting recognized, and it isn't getting communicated, and the businesses that existed to do that are being decimated.
0: And they're being decimated because of market forces. I mean, Craigslist... Uh, is a really useful service but it, it, it cut into classified ads of local newspapers and now Facebook and Google have kind of created a duopoly about uh, advertisers trying to reach their readers and so local newspapers can't depend on the advertising revenue either and subscriptions have declined. So it's it, the business model of media is more of the crisis there. So what would be the role for impact investors to uh, create new business models that make uh, and, and enable a, a thriving media ecosystem to, well, to work?
2: I would say, Brian, you know, that you've, if anything, underestimated the crisis in local, in local media, um, and and I've worked at really
0: because I, I I was pretty bleak in yeah, my it's, assessment it's, there. It's
2: like the the images of uh, of of the of the areas where after the well I don't want to I don't want to downplay the tragedy of the flood flowing through, but it's kind of decimated. The the newsrooms have been emptied out. And as you say, um, you know the beat, the classic beats of, of of City Hall and and the Planning Commission and the School Board and the State Capitol are are very much understaffed compared to you know what they need and and, and even where they were. That said, I was not going to be the harbinger of the of the negative news because at some level that's old news. There is kind of a emergent thing, and it's again it's not baked yet and it's not uh, proven yet, but. Um, a whole raft of innovation has come out of the rubble there first of all there's a ton of former newspaper reporters running around looking for what to do um, and uh, you know so it's a combination of sort of nonprofit new local news organizations one grew up in the in the sort of shadow of the Denver Post that I've been watching um, there's even local subscription based newsletters there's one that has popped up in Detroit with folks that we know um, called the detour Detroit and there's you know lots of uh, uh, or a fair amount of effort going into um, nonprofit nonprofit. Nonprofit investigative journalism kind of networks, ProPublica being the one that's well-known, but there's also Center for Investigative Reporting and others. So there's lots of innovation and activity. Most of them, I would say, are on the nonprofit side at this point because people have not figured out the for-profit investable model. So it is, again, relying on, if not the individual billionaires, then the foundation billionaires. So, um, you know, you haven't quite got out of the box.
0: So Imogen then if David laid out a few kind of signs of optimism as he as he is wont to do um and, and if it's uh, it, it, what is the reason then that impact investors have not uh stepped into media is it because they don't realize its value to uh, a thriving healthy democracy as you put it uh, or do you think it's because they can't figure out uh how to make money uh while having an impact maybe they're th- that's it's it's the role for Uh, either public support or philanthropic support to ensure a thriving media ecosystem. And maybe it's harder to find the right business model that works, and that's why impact investors haven't emphasized uh, investments in such a core common good or public utility as the media.
1: I don't think it's because it's a hard problem to solve, right? Like, because... It is a hard problem, but it's not like, you know, healthcare in India is a hard problem to solve. Energy access in Africa is a hard problem to solve. And yet both of these are incredibly popular impact investing spaces. So it should be an attractive impact investing opportunity because it's also a technology problem and a lot of impact investing is around technology.
0: Right, but energy access in in Africa and healthcare in India uh, haven't uh, had to go up against uh, Google and Facebook and, and their revenue models. (laughs) <laughs> the media industry has
1: yeah but they have to go up against the, the their own various problems right like it, it's not it's not because it's i don't think it's because it's challenging i think it's because they don't see it as being important and in fact i think it's because and where where they do see it as being important again they see it as philanthropy they see it as you know a sort of rich person's toy um as opposed to seeing it as business. And I think it's because impact investing has a blind spot around media and doesn't, doesn't, for example, see it as real jobs, right? That these are somehow fun, oh, who cares if thousands of journalists get laid off, you know, that, that this isn't a real serious industry or an economy or real serious jobs. And I think it's because it comes out of philanthropy and it comes out of, you know, the, those sort of it it wants impact investing wants boosterism as its coverage. And so it doesn't, doesn't comfortably sit with a free and independent press. And so I don't think that it looks at what's happening to the media and thinks that it has in any way a role in solving that problem. And to be clear, like everyone else has a responsibility for solving this too. It's not like, you know, impact investing should be blamed for not singling this out as an issue. But I think that it has sort of psychological blind spots when it comes to media.
0: That's David, deep. do you fair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do, do you,
1: <laughs> I don't want to
2: psychoanalyze it, partly because yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, do
0: you want to put impact investing on the couch? Uh, <laughs>
2: I I think I think there's a lot of uh, of truth to what Imogen said, but I will say that there's you know I'm just trying to think through like what's the impact alpha in media and and it's not just obviously getting you know better coverage for uh, for one's own imp- investments which I think are you know would not even you know necessarily move the needle for anybody in terms of uh, the success of those investments. I think there is probably an impact alpha in in the notion that people are coming back around the 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 whole devaluation of news. And facts and the you know the fake fake news world and the social media you know um, hacking and whatnot has put a new value on on real news and on on real trusted uh, journalism. We just had a story on the media development investment fund, which um, is, invests in places where arguably the, the media environment is much worse, because like they're shutting you down or they're seizing the press or they're banning you or they're arresting you in in the, in, in certain countries for a free press, and they've invested in that because they said the trust in uh, trusted journalism is itself a competitive advantage in a place where you know you can't trust anything so I think maybe there's a, a lesson there for us as well if you can't trust you know if the media has become untrustworthy then trustworthy media will have a will have a competitive advantage so I know it's a little um,
0: uh, pollyannish but that's where i'm hanging my hat it's not just about the content of media the creation of good content but if you don't have people clicking on it if you don't have people reading it, if you don't have an engaged audience so there's kind of two sides to this there's the you know how do we have a business model but also how do we have an audience and how do we have people care
1: well there's three sides to it right as well because it's also the spread of disinformation right and how do you yeah so that's a much
0: broader so i don't know but
1: david is right in that like if if you know if there's all this you know fake news out there then, then surely this is sort of high quality information is going to rise to the top that's the and theory. maybe that's yeah and maybe that is that's the kind of like information wants to be free information wants to be expensive right in theory people and this you see this in a lot of investment research investors will pay for high quality information but we're clearly not seeing that happen yet
0: Well, I think the other challenge is is traditional media came up in an age where information was scarce. Right? and that it was hard to get access to information you had to subscribe to your newspaper and wait for that newspaper to be delivered to you to get access to that information now over the past uh, you know two decades or so we've had an information abundance and, and now people are overwhelmed with information and they have never had more access to more streams of information whether it's you know a memes of cats or photos of your niece or hard-hitting investigative reporting um, and the, the challenge is not how do we create better content that helps inform citizens in a democracy, but how do we capture attention? Because right now, information is abundant, But attention is scarce. And I think that's one of the big challenges for media organizations and why the business models uh, are going up against. That's why, to make the point, that's why it is harder uh, to invest in media than it is in some ways. There's a different kind of challenge uh, than investing in energy access in in Africa. It's because, again, if you're investing in media, you're competing for attention. And you're also competing against very well financed very profitable, big tech companies like Google, uh, like Netflix, like Facebook, like Spotify. Apple. The, all these, all these tech giants are competing for your attention, and they also control where people are spending more of their time, looking at their apps, looking at their news feeds, um, and so that's why I think that the media uh, has such a big challenge in capturing not just providing good quality content that can be trusted and verified and has a competitive advantage, but capturing people's attentions.
2: Now you're getting some word, Brian, because if you could say if you say that as you as you do that you and you listed about five or six of the big tech giants vying for your attention then if they start competing on their ability to support as imogen said not just aggregation and, and and sucking off the value but actually the creation and the nurturing of reporters out in the field bringing back you know reports and 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 a kind of ethics of journalism that is not that hard to talk about and if they start driving resources to news gathering and 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 journalism then you know we could actually be um at the start of something
0: good don't hold your breath (laughs) (laughs) and that's going to do it for this episode of returns on investment thanks so much to david bank and imogen rose smith
1: thank you brian thank
2: you both
0: and special thanks as always to our technical producer and editor isaac silk this podcast has been a production of Impact Alpha, providing news and insights for those working to build an inclusive and prosperous future. Find us at impactalpha.com and on Twitter at impactalpha. For more ed- episodes and to subscribe, find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get the podcast. Also, drop us a line if you have any thoughts. We'd love hearing from you. You can email us at editor at impactalpha.com. From New York, I'm Brian Walsh. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you in some sense of the word next time.